Well, good afternoon and welcome to Tea Time with Miss Liz. That's right, afternoon tea today. And in the house, I have the beautiful, inspiring, motivating, resilient woman of the year. That is right. I have Shireen Arif in the studio and she is truly an amazing woman. And we've been trying to connect like this for a long, long time. So this is our time to connect. So I got to know Shereen during the Global Peace Challenge 2020. She was also the Global Peace Ambassador, but I'm gonna get into who Shereen is and then I'm gonna get her to share her amazing story with all of you. And we're gonna have some inspiration today on Tea Time. So grab your cups, coffee, tea, water, juice, and join us. Leave your comments in the, in the co comment section. And if you're watching the replay, put replay, but please, please share with us because we'd love to have you join us for a cup of tea today. So Shireen is an inspirational speaker with over 3 million global views of her virtual video, an award-winning five-time international best-selling author and resilient coach and a proud mother of four beautiful children. Ah, my tongue, it's, I need tea. <laughs> <laughs> Lovingly called the gen gentle force, Shireen offers trans transformational education to victims of any kind of abuse through her Be Your Own North Star. And I love that because I'm from the North, so we'll get into the North Star a little bit more. Sure. Program it has a program. She has been there, done that, her own story of dramatic ups and downs and her remarkable journey of resilience, which involves coming to Canada, enduring a dysfunctional marriage, struggling with facial paralysis and surviving cancer, inspires others to, with wisdom and strength. And if you'd like to know more on Shereen, please check out Miss Liz's Tea Time page and all of the other platforms that I have her listed. Her full bio is there. So Shereen, welcome to Tea Time. It is amazing to see your beautiful face, girl. So could you share a little bit on the backstory and then get into where it all took you today? All right. First of all, I'd like to thank you so much, Liz, for having me on your show. I really, really love the idea of bonding over a cup of tea, especially because I come from India and tea is a big, big thing in India. I mean, it's bonding time for the family, bonding time with people who come to visit you. We offer tea. And... Um, it's interesting that my mom always said I made the worst tea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, however, as I said, I was born and raised in India. And, you know, now as I'm recollecting tea time in India, I'd like to share a little bit about my past. Uh, I was born and raised in India in a traditional family. We called it the joint family because joint family in India, the term joint means all your extended family and your own immediate family. Everyone lives together in one huge mansion and it's crazy and it's lovely and it's chaotic <laughs> all at the same time. But that, uh, you know, that had a blessing. Uh, I grew up being with people. I grew up learning to put up with people. I also grew up learning to love them as they are, you know, because they're family and you have to put up with their idiosyncrasies. So the adjustment, listening to all the elders deciding and choosing for you and, you know, having 30 cousins to play with every day. We were like a whole school in, <laughs> you know, a, a whole school in the house. <laughs> so... Yes, and my childhood was fun, exciting. I went to a very good school, and uh, I learned to study, read, and write in English. And uh, um, in fact, I'm one of the uh, first uh, girls to go to university in my um, generation. So and and completed. There were some who went to university, but they they had to be married, and so. I did all the bad things apparently because I wasn't that good girl who got married as soon as she became an adult. And, you know, her job was to get married, keep her husband happy and raise kids. That's it. Cook in the house, cook clean and, and, and do that. And although that's it is not that's it because that's what I also do. And it's a lot of work. <laughs> and, um, uh, so I was in, uh, 
I was in high school when I got engaged. I was 18. Uh, my parents uh, had, um, you know, they had good plans for me that they thought they'd have me happily ever married and, you know, be in a, in a great, lead a great life, be with a good person. Uh, they chose well for me. The person was educated. He was a computer software engineer. In those days, that was a very big deal. However, what we didn't know, even though he was the only son, his entire family was very respectful and so was he, but he had a problem with drugs. And so a girl who was raised to understand that it is not right for girls to be with boys, a girl who went to an all-girls school, she even did her university in an all-girls college, or my degrees there, and then she's married to a man. So I was so naive and I didn't know so many things that it was very easy for me to not know that my first husband was doing drugs. And then nobody did drugs in my family. And we didn't have that kind of information. We were not taught about drugs in school. It was taboo. It was shameful. You know, people in India in those days looked down on people who took drugs and thought that was a very bad thing to do. So he, he was doing drugs and obviously like to cut a long story short, his addiction kept growing until, you know, he couldn't hide it anymore. His job was impacted. He lost his job. <clears throat> Every, he sold everything in the family, uh, you know, all the furniture and everything. And we ended up becoming homeless because nobody wanted us everybody they we had exhausted the list of help that we could get from our family members in terms of money in terms of many other things and he did go to rehab several times but he came back and did the same thing again and you know with greater fervor and so <clears throat> i had a daughter uh, by then we were married for eight years um, and uh, i discovered for sh like I, I really learned that he was actually doing drugs and what drug addiction is after I had my daughter. And after I, then I went and educated myself and found out, okay, there's something called the rehab center. How can I support him? I went for all the meetings to educate myself. But by then it was too late and he didn't want to leave drugs. So eventually, uh, you know, he was sick and he had TB of the spine and he was being tested for AIDS and um, all of that. And my in-laws, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat is a little bit dry. And then he was, uh, I, I was being sent back, like periodically, I kept being sent back to my parents' house. And in my family, there's not been a divorce before me. So it was a shameful thing because I lived in a family where there were so many people, there were there was so much gossip, you know, it's always the girl's fault. She must have done something wrong. Why is her marriage falling apart? Why is she being sent by her in-laws and why is she living with her parents for so many months? And then eventually, you know, we had to drop the bomb that my first husband was doing drugs. And then I went through the divorce. I was, I was at home for four years and, um, my father was my biggest support and he sent me back to school. He encouraged me to go back to school and like pick up my life. He said, you have a daughter, you have to be there for her. And while my father was my support, but I, it's unfortunate, but most of the women in the family were the ones who were doing all the gossip and, you know, and, and, and speaking ill of me and my, and my, you know, calling my daughter unlucky and all of that. And, um, and anyone who came forward to show compassion basically wanted to know what's the inside scoop, what's going on. Like, so anyways, I went back to school and I did my, I had, I already had a degree, a bachelor's of, uh, bachelor of arts and I had done my major in English. So I went back and did my B.Ed. And before I got my uh, degree, I had a job because I did outstandingly well. And my school that I grew up in was very, very supportive. 
I went to a Catholic school, uh, Loretto, and the Loretto sisters, they are always there to support the girls. So I, I was absorbed into the Loretto family. I started teaching and my daughter uh, went to the same school. Everything was going fine. And I was just 28 years old. And my mom was very concerned that me being a divorced woman, staying at home with so much gossip, it would be very difficult for my sister to get married my younger sister, she was of the age when she should be married. And so my mother was worried that, you know, I'm so young, I have a whole life ahead of me, I should be married again. And then, you know, the, the pressure of getting remarried started. And then a lot of, uh, I had a lot of suitors, but nobody wanted my daughter. Oh, they were like, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Shreen. Like in India, yes. are they like, do they have them already pre-selected for marriage? Like, how does that work? So the parents, well, now things have changed a lot. But back then, you know, in the 1990s, when I was growing up, the parents had a lot of say. Okay. They, they, they call something as an arranged marriage. Yeah. So the fun bit is that I wouldn't really call my when he used to come to our house, his, his dad and my dad's, like my dad and his dad had knew some common people, common friends. And then uh, he did come to my house uh, to tutor me and he fell in love with me. So because there was so much taboo in my house that I wasn't allowed to speak to boys, I was in deep trouble if he expressed his love for me. So I had to go and tell my mother that this man is saying this to me. And I did because I didn't want to be beaten up. You know, in India in those days, the best way to, uh, you know, correct a child was beat them up. So so I, I, I did tell my mother about it, that this person is at that time, I had no feelings for him. And I said, this person is saying he he likes me. And so my mom said, OK, he's the only son. He's a computer software engineer. That sounds like a good match. You will be very happy. So ask him if he will marry you. And I'm just a young 16-year-old girl. What do I know? So ask him if he will marry you. And if he is serious, he will stay on. If he's not serious, he will go. Yeah. He will be scared and he'll go. And he stayed. So you, and then this, you got married at 16, Shereen? No, I was engaged at 18 because oh. I put my, I insisted on being educated and okay. I'm so grateful that I, I, I chose that and I was stubborn and my mom was very upset. She felt like, what's the point of going to university if you will get married and have kids and you're not supposed to go and work somewhere. But good girls from good homes don't work. They're we not independent. <laughs> Yes. You're the woman that says, no, it's not happening this way. I'm going to just yes. do it this way. And, and I like well, that about you because you're resilient, right? And that's, I think, yes. that's where resilience comes yes. from. Yes. Yes. So I, I'm not like, well, in my own family with the women, the older generation, I was the bad girl. Like I was corrupt because I went to university. I was bad because I was, I was the first one who chose to be divorced. You know, like you stick yeah. with your man and you stay oh. with him and till, till you die. That kind I know of, that, that all you know, too well. The, Stand by then the you're, yes, and then you're a saint. Then you're Saint Shireen. So I, I wasn't any of that. And I think I'm glad that I wasn't. So I don't know what my life would be and what anybody else's life would be and what my daughter's life would be. What would she learn from my life? So anyways, I was at my parents' place for four years teaching and then this uh, man comes from Canada. His uh, sister is married in our family to my dad's second cousin. And he's like, there's a family wedding and he's attending that. And, um, you know, in the meantime, my mom has put an ad for me, which is so embarrassing to, to share. She put an ad for me in, on a matrimonial website. Wow. <laughs> 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 okay because, there. <laughs> <laughs> because she wants me married and out of the house you know and and the men in india don't want a girl child like they don't want to adopt my daughter so they want to give they want me to give up my daughter so at first my mom tried to convince me to give up my daughter and give her away to my in-laws 
and I refused. And so there was a war at home and my mom was, she never listens to me. I, I'm giving her good advice and her daughter will be happy with the in-laws and she will have a married life. But I wouldn't give up my daughter for anything in the world. I, I didn't care. I wasn't really interested in getting married. However, under mom's pressure, there were a lot of uh, responses to my matrimonial ad. And one of the men was from Canada. Okay. Okay, but I didn't uh, end up marrying him. So one of the men was from Canada. He responded. He was on separation. He was very honest. He was very lovely. And he said that, you know, uh, he has uh, two kids from his uh, wife. Uh, they had a fight and they're on separation. She wants a divorce. He would. He's regretful about the things he did and said, and he would want her to come back. But and he's lonely, so he's not committing to a marriage, but wanting friendship. And he said, if she comes back, I'd rather have her because I'll have my children and I'll have my wife back. And I really appreciated his honesty. And it's, it was the first time, like I was having uh, deep conversations with a man, you know, who's being vulnerable and saying how he loves his wife and his family and how he's the one who messed up and. You know, and, and I appreciated his authenticity. So, I, and that was one way of keeping my mother, uh, like bluffing my mom that, hey, you know, I'm talk, talking <laughs> to a, a man. <laughs> yes, I'm talking to this man. Yeah, something is cooking, but, not, you know, nothing is cooking. <laughs> so it'll keep her busy. I'm like, okay, this man didn't marry me. So what do I do? Like, we have to wait. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> So, I never you know, I you as a rebel, never, ever, ever. <laughs> that's <laughs> why they that's call where me. Resilience comes from, right? A re the rebel yes. has the resilience of keep going, right? So. Yes. And so, you know, eventually uh, he did uh, go through a divorce and then he, he, he still said, I would want to come to Canada because I've lived in Canada for so many years. I can't just see someone over a camera and you know, do video chatting and say, yes, let's get married. We need to get to know each other. So he was telling me like, I'll invite you, come visit Canada with your daughter. But he was lovely. In the meantime, all these aunts that I had, one of them gave my mom an idea that, you know, that there is a man here in Canada who is related to my other aunt. And how about I give information about this lovely man to this man and ask him to find out whether this guy was authentic or not, whether he really lived where he lived and all of that, like just to investigate. That's where this investigator man ended up becoming my second husband. Oh, now we're getting into a juicy story here. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yes. So this man, like he's not a professional investigator, but just to find out whether this man was really divorced or not. So this man was an immigration consultant. And uh, so he, I had a conversation with him, he asked for all the details of the man I was interested in. And then he called back and told us it's a no, no, lots, lots of red flags. The man was in prison. He had beaten his first wife. And so you don't want to end up in Canada and be in that mess yeah. and all. And as I look back, most probably all that wasn't true because this man had interest in me. So he started talking and he started saying that, you know, why do you want to come here being already married to someone? You could come independently, you're educated, you're a teacher, you can come here as a qualified teacher and, you know, hold your grounds here, become a Canadian and then think of who you want to get married to. So that sounded better for me because I wasn't interested in getting married. So he, I, he spoke to my parents too, and I wasn't really keen on coming to Canada. I didn't have anybody here, well, right? I had. Here. <laughs> yes, well, I've been here 16 years now. I wouldn't want to go back. <laughs> so, so, you know, so now the thing is that uh, this person, he said, I'll help you uh, immigrate here. And, it, you know, and I, I didn't want any favors from anybody. And his sisters, my dad, dad were in court you know they were fighting over property matters so I, I you know the women would talk the men would fight it was a crazy scenario yeah. so i didn't want any more chaos and so you know i gave him all my information and asked him how much would it cost and 
he said, you know, X amount of thousands of dollars. And I said, thank you very much. Goodbye. This is not happening because I didn't have any money. Already my father was, had sponsored my education. We were staying in my house because there's no, you know, there's no government support in India for women who are divorced and living single. There's no nothing like Toronto housing or social services or anything like that. So I had to live at my parents' house. They were paying for our living expenses you know, for my daughter and me. And then my dad was paying for my daughter's schooling, for my schooling. And I had just got a job. And then Italy, my, um, so, uh, you know, I told him up front, it's always good to be transparent. I told him I don't have the money. I'm sorry, I can't pay you. And I don't feel any urgency of going to Canada at all. And especially with this man, you know, if the man that I liked is not a good idea to be with. So, What's the point? I don't want to be in Canada. At least I have my dad here. And, you know, when he said that he used to visit my home when he was younger and he, he was, he saw me when I was a teenager. He was in love with me for the longest time, for many, many years. But then he had an arranged marriage. His parents got him married. And at that time, he was financially not, uh, you know, stable for to ask for my hand but now he says god sent uh, me back in his life uh, in this crazy way so he doesn't want to let go of this opportunity and he said he wanted me in his life and he really loved me so when i heard that the first thing i thought jerk the jerk he, he's trying to, yes he's trying to take an use the he's trying, yes he, he's trying to take advantage of my situation and like you know yeah. telling all these stories of love and all that so i stopped talking to him and when i i didn't have a cell phone in those days i, I couldn't afford many things so landline at my dad's place and he started calling frantically like so many times and i wouldn't take his call then my dad felt something was not right that i wasn't answering his call and my dad asked me why are you why are you not answering his call i thought you were doing some paperwork and I said, no. And I was close to my dad. I wouldn't tell my mom about it. But I told my dad that this man, you know, I, I called him uncle because his sister is married to, to my dad's cousin. And he's saying he loves me. And my dad burst out laughing. And he's like, that's my daughter. Everybody loves her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. true. Everybody loves you, right? Uh, so thank you. Yes. And so... You know, he laughed and he said, don't run away from him. Face him and tell him, no, if you don't want to get married to him, don't run away. Just tell him no. So I called him and I told him, no, you know, thank you very much. I'm not into, into getting married to you or anything. I don't really care. I'm coming. I'm coming to get married to you. If you don't marry me, I'll go marry. He joked and he said, I'll go marry your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you love your okay. dad too. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, he called up my dad and he said, I'm asking for your daughter's hand. I really love her. And I'm begging for her. I'm going down on my knees. And my dad was a little bit, you know, like he paused and he, he thought that, okay, the man lives in Canada. He has all the money in the world. He can get any woman he wants. He's coming all the way to asking for my daughter's hand. He must really love her. And, you know, in India, it's a big deal. Like you're divorced. You're the mother of a child. And for a man to accept because my parents faced the real truth that people didn't want my daughter. So, you know, my father said, I'm, I'm getting old and your mom is not very nice to you. So why don't you consider getting married to this man because your daughter will have a better life think about her if you go to canada and so you know to cut a long story short my second husband was very persistent and he you know came to india he he you know he swept he blew me away with how romantic he was and all the things that he did and uh you know his expressions of love and you know singing to me and, and like i'm I was very romantic as a person. So, you know, all of that, like, and then I was so deprived of all of that from my first marriage because my first husband was doing drugs and he was not there. He was just physically there, but zoned out most of the time. So I, as a young woman, I, she, she just blew me away. My second husband blew me away. 
he didn't have any addiction. He was normal. He was healthy. And, you know, I felt like, okay, this is what love is all about. This is how a man loves a woman. And, you know, I gave in and I said, okay, I said yes to him. He was 12 years older than me. And I, you know, we didn't, there were so many differences about so many things, you know, about our interests and our likes and dislikes. But, you know, at that time, maybe I was so starved of, uh, you know, the my partner that I gave in. And then, you know, my, he, he got married to me in India. And then I was waiting for my visa while he came back here. But I didn't have custody of my child. So my visa took two years to come through. I had to go back in court and get custody of my child. My first husband had gone missing. Uh, you know, he was doing drugs and he was not in his senses. Nobody knew where he was. So the court had to wait for him to show up. And then he didn't show up at all. And then, you know, our lives were on hold. Then the judge gave me full custody of the child and allowed me to take her out of the country. And then when I came here, for the two years, all the promises that my second husband made over the phone, you know, because I don't know what's the lifestyle in Canada, what do you have in a home, what you don't have, all of that. Like he used to tell me, I'm making a nice house for you. And today I bought this and I decorated that. And then when I came here, I was in a, you know, in a very, like not a very, like it was a little bit of a rough neighborhood. Um, it was in Parkdale and, you know, there's a prostitute standing at the door. I'd never seen something like that before when I was in India. And, you know, I mean, with, I was scared. And then he takes me upstairs to this apartment. There is no furniture. There's a mattress on the floor. There's not even a bed sheet on that mattress. And wow. nothing has been done up. And all this, he was he was all for all this time. He was telling me on the phone that, you know, he, he's got this house by the lake and it's beautiful and all of that. And yes, well, Lakeshore is not too far from Parkdale, but mm. on the lake, lake, and it's not like a, you know, the houses that now I understand what it would look like. Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect then. And so I was a little bit uncomfortable when I went there and he dropped after airport he, it was evening late evening he dropped us and then he said I gotta go and I'll come back tomorrow morning so the man who was expressing so much love and in the two years that I lived in India he flew down seven times just to be with me that man it was very unusual of him to not want to be with me on the very first day of me landing here. So that yeah. felt, felt like a red flag, but I was very, you know, I, I wasn't bold and I was so new here. I didn't want to ask him, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? And he was like, oh, you know, in Canada, sometimes people do night jobs and people do two jobs and welcome to this busy world. And it's very different from India. And I thought maybe, you know, and I, because I was new and I was shy, I thought, okay, I shouldn't be asking him too many questions. I have to be a good wife, you know. Good wives don't ask too many questions. You're yeah. obedient and you like, you just adjust and you be nice to him. And I was so grateful that he accepted my daughter compared to all the other men in India who didn't. So, you know, I, I was grateful he accepted my daughter. And so I, I, I just sealed my lips and I said, okay, I'm not going to ask him any questions. He, you know, complete trust. Yeah. And then, you know, we started living like that. And then every weekend he goes away. Every evening he goes away. Every holiday he goes away. He's here with me all day. We're working together. He's taught me how to do immigration work. <clears throat> and I was a quick learner. And so I, I learned how to do, you know, filling out the forms, I, like all the clauses and, <clears throat> and writing a submission letter and all of that. I was very good in English. I did all of that. Uh, very, I learned it up very well. And so slowly, slowly, he started leaning and leaning and leaning more and more of his business on my shoulders. And, and he was free. And I was doing most of the work. And then, but he collected all the money from his clients. Yeah. And, and then, yes, you know, he was the, the immigration consultant who was educated in this. So that was his expertise. So when he had to represent a client in court and all that, he did that. I didn't. But if he told me to fill out form letters, I was good with that. So things went on. And then as, uh, you know, a few uh, in three months, 
I was a little bit stressed and I didn't know where this was going. And I, I started getting bored. We didn't even have a TV at home. So, yeah, so I, I was like totally cut off from the whole world. I didn't know anybody. I was scared to talk to neighbors. Uh, he would leave me alone. And, you know, it's a new culture. It's, you know, yeah. in India, you have Indians. Uh, like, you know, at least we speak the same language. And like, yeah, you, know, you know, what? but but in, in Canada, it's like a global population. You have people from all over the world. So I didn't know who to, whom to talk to and what to say. And then he gave me a cell phone, you know, like how you give, give cell phones to your teenage kids. It's a flip phone. And and you can call only three numbers, your mommy, your daddy, and, and one more person. I had that kind of a phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know. a flip phone. <laughs> yes, I had a flip phone and I could only call him. And so, you know, I'm totally disconnected now, everybody. So I rely on him for everything. He doesn't give me any money. I get the grocery that he buys, like he makes all the decisions. And I was coming from India. I just sur surrendered to all of that. And then slowly, slowly, you know, that was not me because if I'm a rebel, I, I want to like pop my head out of the ground Here and see, see <laughs> yes, what's going on. So I started telling him, hey, you know, like we were, we had a different life in India, even though I went through so much. We went to restaurants. We were, I took my kids every weekend to, you know, a gaming arcade or watch a movie or go to go somewhere, like meet relatives. I'm doing nothing here. So, you know, why don't you like come stay with me in the, in the weekend? And like we go somewhere. And he says, that's when he's when I start asking him questions. And that's when. He gets upset and he starts putting his foot down and he starts saying, you're being disobedient and you're not being a nice woman. You have to, you can't trouble me. I brought you here and you have to be grateful about it. People do what not to get to Canada. And, you know, you're lucky. I, it, it was so easy for you. So don't question me. Wow. And, you know, and then that became an aggressive tone because I kept being like, after I, I would be quiet for a few days and I would start all over again. Hey, I want to, I want more freedom. I want more freedom. I want to be, be with you. And where do you go? I need to know more. And then, you know, within three months with all that stress, um, I had paralysis on the face out of the blue. Um, the right side of my face was paralyzed. My tongue was hanging and drooling. And my right eye wouldn't close. I would have to glue my eyes to sleep. And so, you know, the doctor said I had something called uh, Bell's palsy. It was a bad yeah. bout of Bell's palsy. And then, uh, you know, he started calling me ugly. And, and, you know, making me feel that something is wrong with me, uh, which is why he's not treating me right. So, you know, I don't deserve it. Now I'm ugly. So I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his time. And so I'm ugly. And what did my parents give for dowry? I was a divorced woman with a child. I should be grateful as if like that was a baggage and something was wrong with me that, like, you know, everything was wrong with me. And then, you know, one day we got into an argument and he calls up my father and says, take your daughter away. I don't want her anymore. Wow. And so I know I can't go back anymore. My first divorce was enough you know, my mom, my mom was really hard on me the first time, you know, I was living out of uh, plastic bags, sleeping on the floor because mom thought if, she, if I was comfortable, if she made me comfortable, I, I would live on. In one of the programs that you did, uh, yes. Shereen, you had yes. shared that about the plastic yes. bag. Yes. So, you know, what do I do? And so yeah. I, I had to like, I had to like kind of kill my voice in my throat because you know, he's going to tell my parents, take her back. I can't go back. So then I had to put up with what he was doing. And that was so not me, you know, and I put up with it and I put up with it. And then I, uh, for two years, I didn't get pregnant. Then he started saying, you know, I'm half Jewish, half Muslim. So, you know, in us, uh, children are a blessing in our, in our culture. So you don't have kids. Now you're evil and God doesn't love you. So I'm paralyzed. I was divorced. I have a child. Everything is wrong with me and I'm not getting kids. So, well, we saw the doctor and the doctor said that you're maybe, you know, like you're stressed about it. That's why you're not having kids. There's nothing wrong with you. So then eventually I got pregnant 
And I thought, okay, now life is going to change. And my dad said, oh, you know, things would be, I wouldn't tell my dad every detail, but tell him a few things that things are not working here. I'm worried. And he's, my dad said, maybe, you know, you'll bond because now you have kids. And of course, my life has to be like a roller coaster, right? And, you know, now I know I'm, you know, I was so upset. And then suddenly I get the news I'm having twins. And that is like, wow, like from being paralyzed. Now I have this great news that I'm twins. And I thought my life will change, but it only kept getting worse. He started getting bitter and he started becoming verbally abusive once I had kids. And he started, you know, just taunting me and telling me, you know, you know, you're swearing at my dad, my mom, my sister, everybody. And all kinds of, uh, you know, filthy um, verbal abuse. And I started like, you know, because I kept taking it, taking it, taking it. Uh, I became sick. And then eventually, like, in, uh, I didn't want to live. I used to be very disgusted as if I was a burden. I was ugly. You know, I had to go. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants me. Like, you know, I can't be with my parents. This man is treating me badly. Who wants me? Nobody wants me. And because I was so cut off from the rest of the world and all that that I was going through, I had school friends here. I didn't even connect with them. I didn't want anybody to know what was going on in my life. It was shameful. And then, uh, you know, um, so I had cancer. I ended up having thyroid cancer. Um, and, you know, before that, I was hoping I'd die. I'd, and then when I had cancer, that's when it was, when reality hit hard and I realized if I have cancer and if I were to die, who's going to look after my kids? He was not interested in the kids. He was not spending time with them and he was so busy. And then I discovered that even though he was divorced, he was still keeping a relationship with his first wife. He said he had kids, so he had to talk to her, but he was actually having a relationship with his first wife. And the year I had twins, he, he had a kid from her. So he was with her and he was with me. Even though I was his wife legally, he was still in a relationship with her. And it was a mess. And then with cancer and, and this information hitting me hard, it was a lot to process. And I was crumbling under all that. And so I reached out to his family and I asked his older brother and, and all his other family members, what do we do? And I reached out to his first wife and I, and I said, let's have a conversation, let's talk about it. And then he hated that because he wanted to keep it all undercover. And then I busted everything. I call his wife, his first wife, I call his family members and I'm like, let's talk about it, what's going on? So <laughs> There's that rebel again, she's back. <laughs> yes, yes, and so, I so, love that about uh, you, Shireen. I really love that about you because that really shows the real true resilience, right? Is, you know, when you have enough of the shit sandwich, you just, you say it's enough and you move on, right? And that's yes, where the resilience yes. comes in. And I want to get into, uh, we have comments coming in from all different places because I'm Oh, I don't see places. any comments. They're coming in in different locations. Okay. I'm streaming on multiple places. And yes. I, ha I have a, a friend that, who is saying that well, while you're sharing, it's almost like you're sharing her story. And a lot of people who have gone through domestic violence and abuse, when we're sharing our stories like this, it does feel like you're telling our story because there's similarities, right? There's right. name calling. There's a verbal. They start off honeymoon section and then they go yes. to the freaking demon section. It's like, yes. I thought you loved me. Now you hate me. Like, how yes. did that happen? You know, yes. so I really want to thank the viewers that are watching and that are leaving their comments like that and expressing that you sharing your story and that it, it, it makes it makes us feel like we're not alone. Right. Absolutely. I've had story. that. Yes, I've had a lot of people, uh, a lot of women particularly actually reach out to me and tell me that they've been through similar things. Yeah. And what was interesting was the man knew the law in this country that you cannot raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you'll be arrested. There's a law in place. So they mentally abuse you. They emotionally abuse you. They verbally, financially abuse you. And so you don't see the scars, but the scars are deep and they sometimes they destroy people. They do. It took a lot of work and I still do work on myself 
you know, no, we, to... You have to, right? A lot of people yes. say, like, oh, you got into the situation, you're all better now. No, we still have to heal ourselves. They broke yes. us bit by bit by bit by bit. Yes. We, we yes. have to heal ourselves each and every day for the rest of our lives because they've actually yes. torn us down. And, yes. And and I and that's what I really love about your story and and what you've done with your life, Shreen, from yes. the situation. Like if anybody yes. out there, the viewers that are watching now and the viewers that will watch on the replay, you really need to check this woman out because this woman has a, an empowering story. She is the true resilient coach out there. She has overcome so much. Shereen, I am very mm -hmm. proud of you. And I'm Thank actually you. honored to get to meet you face to face. Now we've talked on the phone a couple of times and we've connected through the Global Peace Challenge, but I really want to understand what makes you the North Star? Where did you get the North Star from? Yes. So, you know, when I had cancer, I, in, in my book, one of the chapters is called Cancer is the Cure. So that's when, like, I was in the thick of darkness. You know, I didn't know my way. Cancer was like a dead end for me. And my cancer, I had thyroid cancer, which is the easiest to cure, but it had metastasized to my lymph nodes. And so I didn't know what, what holds for me. And that's kind of like a dead end for me. And when I went for my surgery, so that's a moment of darkness because I don't know what holds for me. That's when I saw my North Star. That's when, when you reach, you have to be in the dark to see your North Star. That's the gift of being in darkness. I found my North Star. And then when I found what my North Star was, I found my why. Why, why. Like earlier, I used to feel like my life is worthless. I don't need to live. Then I started questioning, why do I need to live? And then I found my why. I need to live for my kids. I need to sh uh, give them a different narrative for their lives. You know, they are seeing me. They, won't, they will do the same thing as me because they'll think that's the way you do life. My mom did it that way. Yeah. And I didn't want any of my kids to, to have the life that I went through. And so, and even if life throws things at them, I didn't want them to end up their lives in a miserable way. So I thought as a responsible parent, I wanted one chance from God that give me one chance. I'm going to turn everything around for my kids and show them if life throws things at you, look for the North Star, not just stop there, be your own North Star. I love it. I, when I really, I when really there's no one around you, that actually nobody can tell you what to do. People will tell you, but in the end, you have to choose what you want to do exactly. in your life. And so when I was going for my surgery, there was no one there on the operation theater. I walked to the hospital. It was a block away from home. I didn't have my ex-husband with me to support me in any way. We were uh, doing, I was doing my separation and cancer together. And so I was like, okay, what could be worse? What can be more frightful than death? So I used to be very afraid of him. Then I thought, okay, when I experienced the fear of death, I said, you know what? This is nothing. I am going to turn around and face this man. So I turned around in life and I faced him and I filed for divorce. He, he told me like, you have cancer. If you go to court, I'm, I'm going to drag this case forever wow. till, you're, till you're dead. He did drag it for five years. But I got, I got my divorce. I got my children's rights, and you know, I and now my kids, you know, when they when they have to write an essay, who's my role model? My daughter in, in school makes a poster that that's my mom, and they're so proud of me. So it's not an ego trip. It's just that I showed them who they can be if they wanted to. Exactly. I didn't have anybody to help me. We we have to be the example. If we want our children to have a better life, we have to be the example. And sometimes it's hard doing it on your own. But when, yes. when you can, when you can overcome it and you have enough, like when you have enough, only when you yes. have enough can you get out of it. Any viewers yes. that are out there watching now or any viewers that will watch the replay, if you're in a domestic violence situation or any type of abuse of any sort, verbal, physically, mentally, sexually, until you have enough and you say no more, there's nothing anyone can do for you. Yes. And and, yes. and that's where the resilience comes from. You have to say, you know what? 
my life matters. I matter. My children matter. And I'm going to stop this. And yes. then you say enough is enough. Whether people yeah. hate you or they're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You're over exaggerated. You didn't live that life. So how dare you say that you can, it wasn't that bad. You know, I, and I really in, encourage people like you, Shireen, to keep spreading the message of hope. Yes. And keep sharing Absolutely. that message. And, and I really love the North Star because I'm a Northern girl. So, I, of course, I love the Northern Stars. We have the Northern Lights. I'm Yes. I... I, I am an old country girl and I live in the city now, but I'm, I'm a country girl. And mm. I really want to get into, before we wrap up your tea, I don't want to, I don't want to close your tea time up because I really think that this is an important subject that needs to be shared, but we do right. have a time frame. So I want to get into what is your tea, Shireen, and what makes you? So if I give you the word T, give me a yes. word for each letter. So the T, the E, and the A, and what makes you? Ooh, all right. That's interesting. Um, so, TEA would be take every action. Oh, I love it. I love it because you know what? You just served me your past, your present, and your future. Take as a child, you took, you were the rebel, you were the rebel. So you yes. took, you took chances everywhere you went. Yes. Your E word is everything, right? Yes. Everything. So you present. So you're doing a lot of things. You're doing everything right now. So maybe that's yes. what your present is and action. Of course, in the future action, I see coming from you because you are a woman who makes action. You're not a yes. woman that just talks. You actually do the walk. This yes. woman, I'm telling you, check out her link tree, check out her websites. I, you don't get enough in an hour of one person. So really connect and network with Shireen because this woman has overcome a lot. And she truly inspires me when I read what you've overcome and what you've went through. As a woman who has overcome domestic violence myself, your story inspires me to continue on and to do what I do as well. So I really want to thank you for that, Shireen. And I want to thank you for sharing your tea with us. So take every action. I love it. Like, take everything. Just take it and change it. We are the women that can change it. We are the voices that can change it because we lived it. We felt it and we overcame it. Yes. So if you had a message to give to all the viewers right now out there, Shireen, what would the message be for you? Be your own North Star. I love it. And any of the young girls that are out there, the child girls for education, yes. what message would you have for them? You know, you are a powerful being because you are the point of creation. The womb is in a girl child. There's nothing more powerful than that. That is the point of creation. You can, so you, that, that is your power. The womb is your power. You can create whatever you want from your, from your life. You can create, choose and create, choose and create. And that's what I meant. Even there's another spin to take every action. You know, there were actions I took that didn't work the right way, but I still took them. Unless you take an action, you, how are you going to know what's working and what's not working for you? And then through trial and error, you will see, you will see your way. But if you don't take any action, there's not going to be any results. Exactly. You got to take the action in order to get the result. Yes. And, and you know, don't be in your head. Don't keep beating yourself. What if it doesn't work? What if it works? If exactly. it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, you'll take another action. Okay. Now you know what, what doesn't work. So you'll try something different. You won't try the same thing. So one, one thing less to do, try something else. And there's one more thing I'd like to say, you know, not only did I become present to the impact on my children, so I leave a legacy of uh, resilience and empowerment for them. Then I didn't stop there because I, 
you know, what I discovered and share, you know, I shared my story with a very close friend. I made a close friend eventually and I shared it with her and I was shocked to know she was born here, Canadian, and she went through abuse in her life. And then I spoke to one more person. This is before I wrote the book and then another. And I he heard from them how what they were dealing with. And I realized that I'm not alone. I thought I was the only one. Something like this doesn't happen in Canada. Because my man was from India, so he did this here. But no, this is a universal thing. Women are being treated badly in their homes. And sometimes it's not just the men treating the men, uh, women badly. It's the women treating the women badly. Exactly. Too. And there is a chapter in my book called Raising Abuse. Because sometimes we as mothers raise abuse and how do we do that we don't have to teach our our son to beat someone up or abuse someone but we take abuse yeah and show them that's the right way okay. because i have faced a lot of criticism from my in-laws who said that you know their mother was abused by their father who was beaten up but she was such a great woman she was a saint and angel because she never divorced him she put up with everything so I am the bad woman in their eyes because I left my husband and I stood up against abuse. And it doesn't matter to me. You know, I, I have nothing against them, uh, but I am so complete with, with the decision I've made, with the choice that I've made, that I don't regret it. And then when I started speaking to a couple of friends and when they started sharing what they're going through, I said, no, I got to do something about it. I got to share this with more people that I stood my ground. I didn't fight this man. I walked away. I like I could have been aggressive. And I when I took the divorce, it was not with the intention of fighting him and bringing him down. Yeah. I wanted to set myself free. Well, so, we you know, do that as women, we have to set yes. ourselves free, you know, and we have, yes. to, we have to be our own North Star. We have yes. to show that we matter. And, you know, uh, we don't need a, a relationship to make us who we are. We don't need yes. children to make us who we are. We are important and we matter as individuals, as yes. a woman. And and, yes. this is, and I really like that you brought up that men to women, women abuse men. Yes, they do. And yes. the cycles and us women taking abuse and showing our sons that this is the way that a man treats a woman is exactly what you said. So they grow up to be abusers because that's all they know, because, well, yes. daddy beat mom for 20 years. So let's just beat my girlfriend for 20 years. Yes, it's a it's a cycle. It's a pattern. And my daughter would think that's normal. So she would take a beating from someone else. And and I didn't want that for them, you know, so. It was important for me to to flip the script in my in my family, and that's how it all started. And it started spreading like the more people shared their stories with me that they were doing going through this. You know, I I I didn't choose to become a resilience coach. It came naturally. Yeah, it came you from know? your life story. It came from yes. you overcoming, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. The word resilient it means overcoming. It means continuing on staying strong believing in yourself believing in yes. your own north star and and that's what i get when i read your bio when i read your book when i read everything that you've done like the story and the show that you were on the program everything that you have done is overcoming yes. you were scared but you did it and that's what we have yes. to do as women even when we're scared just get out there and do it you know, and people are yes. going to judge you either way. So why not do something that's going to make you happy? Yes, you have to be okay with yourself, you know, in the end. Because some, what, no matter what you do in life, there will be someone who's not going to be happy. Exactly. And we're not here in this planet to live a precious life, a whole lifetime, just pleasing everybody else. We're here to experience life fully. And, you know, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to not be liked. Yeah. You have to be complete inside. At the end of the day, you know, now I'm on a journey where like today, if I were to die or if I go to bed, I don't live in regret. Yeah. That is very important. So then, you know, you're light as a person, you're light, you have no regrets. You, you're you're doing your life the way you're living your life by your 
your deadlines that you give yourself, your ultimatums, and not by other people's deadlines exactly. and defaults. So that you, 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 that's a powerful way of being. Well, you keep being a rebel because I like you as a rebel. Like anybody that wants to meet Shireen, please reach out to her, her on her platforms. She has a website. She has a, a website for Be Your Own North Star, her link tree. I put it up in the comments while she was sharing her story. So please reach out. And it'll also be up when I upload it to the YouTube channel. So please reach out to Shireen. And I really want to thank you for being a voice for the women out there. For the men out there as well, because if the men out there are listening to the program now or, or later on the replay, understand that if a, you see your mom or your sister or your grandmother or any woman getting beaten, it is not the right way. It is not the right way to be a man at all. And if right. you see a woman beating a man, that is not the right way either. So we need to bring a voice to that as well, because there are men out there that are being abused as well because some absolutely come from abuse homes so they just continue the abuse onto the man because that's all they know as well so we need to start breaking the patterns and the cycles and we really absolutely. need to start bringing a voice to these topics and these subjects so i really want to thank you for joining me today on tea time shireen it was an honor to have you here and we have some amazing comments coming in i will share those with you because i've, I've streamed in multiple places but i do want to read this comment that came in from uh, from erica some people don't appreciate when a person can love themselves more than the abuse and how hard it is to get to that point after the abuse. It is yes. true because people don't want us to love ourselves because they're used to the broken us. So when we start shining, when we start showing that we're strong and resilient, and I'm going to get teary-eyed because I am an abused survivor. When we start standing up and sharing our voices and our stories, we actually change ourselves to become the person that we were meant to be, not the person that they broke us down to be. So I want to thank you, Erica, for sharing that comment. I want to thank you, Shireen. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, thank you NJ. Thank you to all the viewers out there who have turned and tuned in. Thank you, Crystal. I, I see you all. I see all the comments coming in and that. And I really want to thank you today for joining me on Tea Time. And I will be back thank tomorrow you. and I will be back the following day. So there's three Tea Times. Boom, 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 just like that. That's the way I work. And then I will be on some other platforms. So I will not be on Tea Time, but I will be back on Tea Time on the 26th after that with an amazing special Tea Time where I'll have nine authors coming in and sharing wow. a book that's being released in November. So I really want you all to check that book out as well. So keep checking the Tea Times out. Keep checking out Miss Liz's Tea Times on YouTube. And if you have any of the Tea Times resonate with you, or any of the stories, please reach out to the guests. The guests have agreed to be all public and you can reach out to them. So many of them have projects yeah. and movements as well. So support those and let's just make a difference altogether. That's what I'm here for. I'm just here to serve the pot and you guys are the cup of tea. So thank you. So take every thank action. You. Thank you. Shireen's tea. And <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today on Tea Time. And Thank I will you. see you guys all tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. for a second tea time this week with Morris Thaw for the Collaboration Training Academy. So we will talk about education. So wonderful. I will see you all tomorrow at 4 p.m. Thank you for tuning in and we will make a difference one cup of tea at a time.